0: Thank you for joining us this morning. Andrew will be speaking out of Second Chronicles, which we are currently in our two-year reading plan. You can find that information on our website, which is www.cobblestonechurch.com. We are excited about the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Now, here's Andrew with today's message.
1: Good morning. How are you? You doing okay? If you have a Bible, open up to Second Chronicles. We are in a reading plan, we've been in one for a while, and we're going to be in one for a while. Uh, if you want to join in on that, you can go to cobblestonechurch.com and join in that reading. I, all, every time I get out here and I, I'm allowed to preach to you all, it's an honor, it's a privilege. Uh, I also want to always just alleviate that little pressure valve that us good Christian kids have, that we have to read every section that's given to us in a reading plan, and if we don't, God's mad at us. That's not true. The hope of the reading plan is not so much to give you an exact form, it's to kind of motivate us to say, hey, here's a starting spot to allow me to sit underneath the faucet of grace, allow the word of God to get in me so the word of God can come out of me. And so in 2 Chronicles, where we are now, we're looking at the kingdoms of Judah, the kingdom of Israel. I believe the prophet Ezra wrote this book to encourage the people to remember, to remember the Lord, to remember to come back to him, to remember the things of God, to remember All the goodness of God, because they were not experiencing it when he wrote this book. And some of you need an encouragement this morning. Uh, My whole encouragement is that God is alive, God is real, God sees, God speaks, God wants to actually meet with you today, if you would get off of your schedule and get on a hiss. And with that mindset, I want to do one of my favorite things before we even open, crack the Bible, or I say any more words, I just want to Pause. And I want to take together as the siblings of God, like as siblings, as you know, brothers and sisters, as sons and daughters, ask God to be here. And I know some of you, you're like, God is everywhere. Thank you, I'm aware. But I don't wanna treat him like he's dead. And I always wanna say, God, if you have better plans than I've made, wreck him. And so wouldn't it be awesome if we were like, God show up here and then the room shook? I would love it. And you're like, I don't know. Would I love it? I don't know. Let's find out. So Jesus, we just invite you, Lord. We, before we, 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 I talk or we try to think about your word, you are the living God who sees and speaks and moves and is alive that we, we actually move and find our being. And you hold all things together by the word of your mouth is what the word says, Jesus which means you're holding everybody in this room together by the word of your mouth. Would you come close right now? Lord, I'm desperate for you. I don't even like to talk without even pausing and allowing you, God, to come. Would you come and minister to the people's heart? Would you come and shake spiritually, physically, anything that you want? Would you have your way over our way? And as your word is read, it's powerful because you spoke it. I pray that it would cut us, that it would motivate us, it would convict us, it would do what it's supposed to do. Give us ears, Lord, give us eyes. I thank you for your people, I thank you for this church, I thank you for this moment, we are not gathered in our name, we're gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. So Jesus, would you bring resurrected life to dead things? In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. I love you guys. It really is an honor to preach uh, I don't get to do it as much, not get to. Uh, it's on, honestly part of the plan to kind of rotate through elders and pastors and kind of hear different voices because really we want what we want primary in this place is this. We don't want primary to be like, when's Andrew going to be up there? I could care less about that. We want us to be a word taught by the word, led by the spirit, and if we're doing that, you won't care who's up here as long as they're being faithful to this. And so as we get into this, Second Chronicles chapter... 14, verse two is actually where we're gonna be at. We're gonna go 14, 15, and 16. And when you get into this chapter, you're kinda of gonna get into a rotation of good kings, bad kings, good kings, bad kings, good kings, bad kings. And it's gonna tell you what they did that was good. Some of them it's gonna be longer, some of them it's gonna be shorter, some of them really, really just messed it up from the beginning. But this is the story of Asa, A-S-A. He is the great-grandson of Solomon. You have Solomon, then you have Rehoboam, then you have Abijah, I don't, maybe I'm saying that right, then you have Asa. So you only have four generations removed from the grandeur of Solomon. Now Solomon made some mistakes himself, I mean he's called the wisest man on the planet, but he had like 700 concubines, so how smart was he? Um, But I want to do this, when we get into books of the Bible, I always find it very important to actually, if you have a study Bible, the part that you skip. The part that says theme, overview, why do they write it? That part, that seems very dry, read that part. It tells you what was, what was the time period? Why were they writing? Who were they writing to? Because when you read the Bible, it was actually written to a people. God spoke it on purpose. And so I love these videos and I actually play them. I play them for you, but I also play them because we have kids in the room and I have ADD. And so these are from Bible Project. We're gonna jump into this one midstream because the book of first chronicles second chronicles and, and is actually written together it was one whole scroll so just picture a big old scroll and then we cut it in half and we made bible books so here is the overview second chronicles.
0: As we move into second chronicles, which focuses on the kings that lived in Jerusalem. And again, there's lots of overlap with first and second kings, but there are many key differences. So the author has left out all of the stories about the kings of northern Israel so he can just focus on the line of David. And there's lots of new material about these kings from David's line. He highlights the kings that were obedient to God and he adds new stories about how their obedience led to success and God's blessing. But he also adds new stories about kings who were unfaithful to God. They didn't follow the Torah. They led Israel to worship idols. And these kings face horrible consequences, all leading up to Israel's exile, a mess of their own making. And so this whole section becomes a series of character studies where the author wants later generations of Israelites to learn from their family history and so become faithful to their God and the Torah. Now, the book's conclusion is really unique, too. At the very end of the book, the king of the Persians, his name's Cyrus, and he tells the Israelites that they can go back home, return from exile, rebuild the city and the temple. And he says, last line of the book, whoever there is among you, of all his people, may the Lord his God be with him and let him go up. And that's how the book ends with an incomplete sentence. Now of course the author knows about the first return from exile and the stories of Ezra and Nehemiah but clearly in his view the prophetic hopes of Israel were not fulfilled in those events. And so this incomplete ending shows that the author's hope is set on yet another return from exile when the Messiah will finally come to rebuild the temple and restore God's people. And so the book of Chronicles it's the final book of the Jewish scriptures. It ends by pointing forward. It calls God's people to look back in order to look ahead, because the past has become the source of hope for the future. So Chronicles concludes the Old Testament as a story in search of an ending, and that's what this book is all about.
1: There you go. So I suggest go on YouTube, go BibleProject.com even. You can get overviews of all the books of the Bible. Some of them, I'm like, oh, those are really good. I find them so helpful to kind of like see overviews and what was going on in the history. So normally when we think about the kingdoms of Judah and Israel, usually when we hear the word Israel, we're like Jerusalem, but that's not true. Judah is is Jerusalem. So you have northern and southern Israel and Judah. And where we're going to join today is they kind of ignore Israel and they focus on the Judah. They focus on the line of David, and Asa is in the line of David because Solomon is in the line of David, and Asa, who we're going to study today, is, like I said, Solomon's great-grandson. And in verse 2 of chapter 14, it tells you right off the bat, this is how these these start. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He removed the foreign altars and the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and to obey his laws and commands. He removed the high places and the incense altars in every town in Judah, and the kingdom was at peace under him. He built up the fortified cities of Judah, and since the land was at peace, no one was at war with him during those years, for the Lord gave him rest. So you'll really see this theme if you read all of this, and sometimes we start reading these repetitive king names and names we can't read, but they're going to tell you, did they do right in the eyes of the Lord or did they do wrong? Now Asa, right off the bat, it tells you Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, which I think is a fundamental statement that I want to live out too. Bringing it into this room, if I sat down with you and I was like, Rob, are you doing, I don't If you're Rob, hello. Are you doing what is good and what is right in the eyes of the Lord? And for Asa, what that meant was he was going to tear down the things that were not in line with God's heart and God's will and the commands of God. So you can start off right now, you're like, what would I do? Well, let's say the the Bible you do know. Are you doing good? Are you honoring the word of the Lord in your heart and in your life and now you live? In your business structures, men and women? In your schooling, are we doing what is good and right? He builds up, he commands the people. He's like, get rid of the Asherah poles. Now all these were, these were like, they were idols basically, but they were to this, this, this goddess or this idol, Asherah, which was a fertility god. And so what they had done is they said, we're God's people, but we really need some help in the fertility department. Anybody got any help for us? Asherah does. And so the very first thing that the good kings always did is they looked around for false worship, idols, and they tore them down. I can attest that this is usually what I see happen in anybody's life, even now, when the Spirit of God moves on somebody. I've had this, like, when God gets a hold of my heart, immediately I'm like, I'm not gonna do that, I don't wanna listen to that, I'm not gonna watch that. What is that? That's the holiness, the pure, that's God's heart coming out of a person. So if you wanna know, am I being fueled by God or am I being fueled by me, are you hungry to destroy the places that don't line up with who he is? Or are you willingly tying your life to idols, asherahs? And I know you probably don't have a pole in your backyard that you bow down to, that you could physically cut down. Ours are much more more hidden. Ours are much more subtle. Ours are ways that we kind of it's called syncretism. You take God and you're like, "I'm God's, I'm going to make it to heaven. I'm Jesus's. But when it comes to money, I trust in this. When it comes to getting a, ba- getting the baby, getting a baby, I do this. When it, when it comes to, that's God plus." And God doesn't deal in pluses, because He's sufficient. He's almighty. He's everything. And what I love about this whole idea is the key verse in there is actually the last verse we just read. It says, for the Lord gave him rest. So it wasn't Asa. Let's be clear. Asa joined God in doing what was right and good, but ultimately, who gave rest to Asa? God did. And I know this is a harder truth. There's been periods, I'll use me, periods in my life where I was not at rest because I was not walking where God wanted me to walk. And some of you are not at rest right now. Your soul is not at rest because you are not walking how God would have you walk. It's it's, just, it's, a, it's a biblical truth that when I tie my life to things that will ultimately betray me, kill me spiritually, that I can't rest. Sometimes physically can't even sleep. But those who dwell in the presence, like I can sleep, I can rest. He's a strong tower that I run into. This is the language of God's people through the centuries. We get to rest, soul level, when we come to Jesus, when we walk in God's ways. The thing that, I, that I, I noticed when I read this, and I was actually laying over here during a prayer set this week, and I was like, Lord, I want to speak your word to the people. And I, and I kind of heard three statements, and this was the first one. The Lord sees. The Lord sees. And I could actually look, I, if I had time, the Lord sees you. And what happens is when we talk about God seeing us, I think what we do is we, we view it like Santa Claus. He, he knows when you are naughty or nice. He always sees me, man. You have kids just like on edge. And you know why you tell them that Santa Claus can always see them? So they'll behave. So they don't get coal. That's the moral message of Santa Claus, correct? But what's happened is when we, think, we read verses about the Lord sees and Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, we start to feel like God's just waiting for us to mess up and I better do it right. But if you don't, don't view God like Santa Claus. God, I mean, Santa Claus is a poor replacement for God. Now, when I, when I read about God, and I read about what, who we are in him, he's always called Father abounding in steadfast love, full of compassion and full of mercy. So when we think about God seeing you, some of you got really nervous. You're like, did he see me last night? No, the Lord knows you. The Lord sees you. The Lord is aware of you. And when I can get a man or a woman, I won't even say I, when you can get a man or a woman to realize they are living their life before God, that he sees, that he's aware, they live different. The moments you struggle with sin the most are the moments you live as if God can't see you. I'm not, I'm not even kidding, the moments that I'm most aware that God's aware of me, I want to honor him, I want to love him. The moments I sin and I'm tempted and I struggle the most are the moments that I'm convinced that he has abandoned me, that he does not care about me, that he is unaware. But God made you. Every cell of your body, every hair of your head, biblically, he says he knows. So there's never a moment where you're hidden from him. Here, let's do an exercise, ready? Hide from God, ready? Three, two, one, go. How'd it go? This is that, that if I go down to the depths of the sea, you are there, David cries out. So God is aware of your heart, the intentions of your heart, the good and the bad. Now the beautiful thing is, he's a loving father who's poured out wrath on his son, so it's not poured out on you, so he's nothing like Santa Claus. In fact, he's like, I want to swap you. I wanna trade you for your bad and your, 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 the parts of you that you hide, I wanna give you righteousness. You wanna trade? That's gospel, right? And so the God of the Old Testament is the God of the new, correct? And we just have this bigger, fuller picture in Jesus Christ that no matter what, he sees me, he's aware of you. So if God sees you, God saw you this week, are you nervous or are you glad? And if you're nervous, I can almost probably guarantee it's because you were not doing what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. You were not doing what is good and right in the eyes of the Lord. And so I believe today is almost like, can we start being a people, being kids, being people that live like we're living in front of God, that he's not far away, that he's not displeased with us, that he's not ignoring us. You know why, we, we were like, "Do this reading plan? Like, do, this, do this, this labor of love of placing yourself in front of God. Because I, I, I understand. there's moments I wake up in the morning and I go down for my quiet time. I don't know why I finger quoted that, but I did. And I don't feel a lot. You ever been there? You're like, "I don't feel like reading about Abijah. Me either. But there's been these moments where I go down there and I'm not expecting a lot and I close my eyes and I go, God, I'm here for you. And all of a sudden I become aware that the God of heaven and earth is close and that he sees me and that he's the lover of my soul. That's why I go every morning and I sit before the Lord because he's better than life and he sees me. And so Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He lived his life in a way that said, God sees me and what I do declares who he is and that I belong to him. Are you living this way? And I can tell you if you are living this way by how you respond to trouble. Now Asa's going to get some trouble his way and this is how he responds. Go to verse 11 of chapter 14. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and he said, Lord, there's no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you, and in your name we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. Now, he's kind of tying up his life. So what has happened is uh, a foreign king had come with about a million-man army. Uh, Asa had about half that. Now, Asa has no chance against that army because they have chariots, and so what does Asa do? He doesn't make foreign deals, which he will do at the end of his life. He cries out to God. He cries out, Lord, and he almost tied, like, don't let mere mortals prevail against you. But I thought they were gonna prevail against Asa. Asa has so tied his life and his people to who God is and what God's like, that even when he prays, he's like, don't let this army mess with you, God. And then what does God do? God actually in verse 12, the Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah and the Cushites fled. So when, we, when you're confronted by trouble, and I don't know what the trouble is, where do you run? Who do you turn to? And I can usually tell my heart posture when I have trouble come my way and I don't run to God, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a warning light on my car that I ignore for a year. You too? So what, what is our trouble? And sometimes in, in my own heart and maybe in yours, trouble comes and I have no thought of the Lord. What about you? Job loss, bad health diagnosis. What is it? What's the trouble you're facing? Is it a million man army? Probably not. The barbarian hordes come over Miami's hill and you're like, Lord, crush them! No, probably not, right? But when, when trouble comes, do you cry out to the Lord or do you cry out to you or Asherah or money or what? Because I can tell you what you cry out to is probably closer to your God than God. So if you're crying out to God, it, it reveals your heart. And so Asa does these great reforms. He builds up the fortified cities. He Cuts down the Asherahs, even in war, he's like, God, I'm your your guy, I'm your king, I love you, and God sees this. God sees Asa, God sees you, and so what God does is because it's, it's a hard work. If I was to get in front of you right now and command you to get rid of all your idols, and in fact, I was like, and we're not gonna stop until we're done with every one of you, you all would get a little bit agitated at me. Now, multiply that with a whole kingdom with Asa, right? And so God sees Asa weary under the burden of trying to lead a people to worship purely. And what he does in 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 15, is he speaks to Asa. And he speaks through a man. I'm gonna try to say his name here in a second, but verse 15. The Spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Odin. He went out to meet Asa, and he said to him, listen to me. Asa, and all Judah, and Benjamin, the Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach, and without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and they sought him, and he was found by them. In those days, it was not safe to travel about, for all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another, one city by another, because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. So what does God do? God goes, all right, spirit of the Lord, my spirit poured out on this guy. This guy's like, all right, I hear what the spirit's saying. I'm gonna go speak it to Asa. Asa, don't give up. Keep honoring God. You will be rewarded. Take courage, Asa. And that is the second thing that you see in Asa's life and I think in our life. The God sees and then the Lord speaks. Now, when we get into the topic of God talking, I mean, we could talk a lot about it and people get nervous when you say this, but this is the Lord pouring out his spirit on a man. It rests on this prophet. Now, if we go into a New Testament sense, whose spirit, Christian, if you're a Christian, whose spirit's in you? The Lord's, correct? So, woo! Right? So in the same manner, the Spirit of God came on Azariah, but the Spirit of God came in new new covenant believers. And then the word of the Lord came out, and the word of the Lord corrects a little bit, like don't do this, but do this, and then it also encourages, and this is what the word of the Lord does. When the word of the Lord goes out, though, what is the posture of your heart? When you sense God's close and he speaks to you, what do you do with it? And I know you're like, well, if he did, I would, but, but when you read the word, and there's these moments you read it, like sometimes in the last like, month I'll be reading it, I'll just start crying over stuff that I've read before. I'll just be reading like, my Bible just fell apart. Oh, that's sad. You ever get a good Bible, it's like got all your underlines in it and duct tape. Okay. <clears throat> So the word, you're reading the word and all of a sudden it's just like, it becomes new again. That's the spirit of the Lord that's in me, quickening me and illuminating the very word of God to like love it again. You ever have that moment where you're talking to someone and maybe you kind of over-exalt your role in a thing, like you lie a little bit and you feel that deep like, oh, you know what that is? That's the spirit of the Lord convicting you. And then if you really want to go into New Testament giftings, when God speaks prophetically, when God utters to you, do this, do you do it? Asa does what God tells him to do. Asa honors the Lord. Asa walks in what God wants him to do. What do you do when God corrects you? When God calls you? When God moves around you? Are you, are you hardened to it? Or do you delight in the word of the Lord? Because when I look at Asa's life, I kind of want to be like him in the front half. Like, I want to live as if God sees me. That if any moment the God of heaven and earth could pop into this room, I want to live like that. You ever met a man or a woman that's just aware that God's real? They live different, walk different, talk different, spend different. They do everything different. Because they're convinced that their God is alive, that he does save, that he is present, that he does move, and if you ask them, they will straight up lay hands on you and ask him to do the same thing in you. I wanna be that man. You wanna be that man or woman? And then I wanna be a man that when the Lord speaks, I'm like, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. Not, convicted again. (laughs) I don't wanna be that. I wanna have a soft, willing spirit about me. I want when the Lord speaks encouragement prophetically in the word conviction, whatever it is, I am just like, Lord, I love your voice. What's the posture of your heart? Because this is what Asa does in verse eight. When Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the people at the front of the portico of the Lord's temple. When Asa heard these words, when he heard the prophet speak who had the spirit of God on him, he heard the voice of his God. And he did what he was told. And so he starts, he took courage, he starts removing more idols, he renews his efforts to purify the people, and he calls them into major movements, major like, let's honor God, let's honor God. This is what leaders do, right? And in verse nine, then he assembled all Judah and Benjamin and the people from Ephraim, Manasseh and Simeon, who had settled among them, for large numbers had come over to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So God starts moving, the idols are getting cleansed out, God is putting peace on Judah. And so you have Israelites, so Israel and Judah are separate at this time. You have people from Israel coming down and joining Judah. And so he's like, get together, we're gonna do a thing together. And so, Cobblestone, like, let's get together and let's decide right now that we're going to be a people that's going to live and walk and do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. Let's be a people that when we get together in small groups, we get together whenever we're at, we'll go, we're going to live right now as if God can see us, as if God could speak right now. Because this is what he, Asa just is going to continue to proke and prod and kind of coax the people into deep things, and I'm hoping to lead you there by the time we're done. In, in verse 12, he's gathered all these people, and I mean it's a lot of people. It's a kingdom. All the tribes are right here. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, with all their heart and soul. All who would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, were put to death, whether small or great men or women. They took an oath to the Lord with loud acclamation, with shouting and with trumpets and with horns. All Judah rejoiced about the oath because they had sworn it wholeheartedly. They sought God eagerly and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. I would love to live that verse out with you, except for the whole killing part, but that part, right? So he draws the whole people together. And this sometimes I think is what it's going to take is all of us, as a people, going, you know what we're gonna do when we get together? We're not gonna be about us. We're not gonna be about what song's being played. We're gonna be about this. We're gonna be about the Lord. And, and he uses covenantal language. And covenants are a lot like, well, think marriage is a covenant. It's a relational contract. A whole people with whole heart, they're yelling, there's trumpets, they're shouting, they go, this is what we're gonna do. With all our heart and with all our soul, we're gonna seek God. Do they find him? It tells you they find him and he gives them peace. So cobblestone, can we covenant today that when we come together, we will seek the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength? Almost sounds like something else Jesus said. That he will be our sole focus. That we will search and cry out and pray and worship till we find him. Without him, we will not know peace. Without him, we will not have a soul level rest. Without him, we're a country club with a little bit of spirituality on it. With him, though, there's resurrection life, freedom from sin, healing power. I can go on, the list is long. So when Judah rejoices, though, they, they get a little crazy. It's like, hey woman, you gonna seek the Lord with us? No, dead. You know what I mean? It's a little more extreme. We could just more be like, we're not gonna let you, person that doesn't love God, drive what we do here. When you come in and you don't know Christ here, we love you, I'll hug you, I'll drink coffee with you, but we're gonna worship like we're free, because free we are. But we, we love that you're here, we love that you don't know Jesus, we want you to know Jesus, but we're gonna pray like our God hears and our God sees unashamedly. You see how the shift happens now, we don't have to stone anybody? Now Asa, he, he's, he's good about this. In verse 15, they sought God eagerly and he was found by them so the Lord gave them rest on every side. What would it look like this morning to seek God eagerly? Did you seek God eagerly this morning? Now I don't have to, I don't have to put any prescribers on that. I don't have to be like, well did you raise your hands two inches or Four. You know, that's not what we're looking at. But did you eagerly come in here going, the God who sees me, the God who speaks, the God who I'm with these people so I can find, did you come in that way? Or did you come in what is prescribed cultural Christianity in America, which is I'll sit here for my two and a half songs, this guy who's a little too energetic is gonna say some things from the Bible, and then you're gonna be like, let's go eat some Bob Evans. That's the norm across America, which is why you see America cooling spiritually. But there's a remnant of God's people that go, no, 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 I don't want that. I want the Lord. I wanna, I wanna see him, I wanna find him. I, will you eagerly seek him with me? That's, that's the heart of God's people that's awakening right now. There's pockets. Can we be one of those pockets that like, those people at Cobblestone, they don't know what they're doing half the time, but one thing they do, one thing they seek after, that they might eagerly find God. Now, here's the the crazy thing about Asa. Asa's not playing games, he ain't pulling punches. Watch this, verse uh, 16. King Asa also disposed his grandmother, Makah, from her position as queen mother because she had made a repulsive image for the worship of Asherah. Asa cut it down, broke it up, burned it in the Kidron Valley. Although he did not remove the high places from Israel, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. He straight up, took his grandma, and got her out of power. That's commitment, right? That's when you start looking at family and go, don't do that. Anybody love to be hated by your family? Anybody want to rebuke your grandma? You're like, now that you speak of it, (laughs) yes. I don't. My grandma's fierce. She's an old Pentecostal lady. She'll get in my face. So like, whoo. She's here? No, she'll be here next time. You'll see her. She'll probably give me an amen. Yes. So Asa goes so far as to say, hey, family, you're not honoring the Lord, get out. Hey, you, man or woman, you're not honoring the Lord, get out. That takes courage, does it not? To be that man or woman that says, I, I, I'm, we're gonna honor God here. And you might not like me for saying get out, but we're gonna honor God here. Asa does it, and I don't wanna be a people that's hard and rigid in this, like I'm not handing out stones to stone anybody at the end of this service. You should be like, whew, but one of my roles as one of the elders of the pastors here is to call us to be these people. To take serious our commitment to the Lord. To love him more than I love you. For you to love him and want him and worship him more than you honor or worship or love anything else. And part of the huge play on our lives right now is there's this, I don't know what it is, it's, maybe it's social media, we so wanna be liked. We so want the world to kind of like, they're Christians, but they're nice Christians. (laughs) Be the Lord's. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill you full of the fire of God and go be a man or woman of God no matter where you are. Worship the Lord and the Lord only. The world will notice they will call you weird and they will disconnect from you. The problem, though, is the, the problem that Asa had is the same problem that you and I have. I face it all the time. The problem is that people forget. So the Lord sees Asa, and he knows it. The Lord speaks to Asa, he responds to it, but by the end of Asa's life, he forgets. He backtracks, and instead of crying out to God, he starts making deals with foreign armies. And not only to make that foreign deal, he steals money from the temple to do it. So he dishonors God in every way at the end of his life, even though he lived the most of his life to the Lord. Now, that, that seems to be the norm for humanity. You ever have God move powerfully in your life? You should say yes if you're a child of God. God's moved powerfully in my life. I mean, I've watched God answer healing prayers in front of my eyes, and then a week later, I'm like, did that happen? What is that? What is that about humanity that can watch God move, watch salvation flow out, watch God respond, watch God speak, and then a week, a month goes by and it's dull almost in your spirit. What is that about? Well, the good news is it's not, it's happened for a long time. God's people have done this on repeat. It's a cycle. I think that's why there's so many, remember, remembers, remember, remember, testify, remember, remember, testify. That's why that's in there. Because our hearts, they just forget for some reason. And then our flesh pops in. Anyway, we just get into all that. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, this is the end of Asa's life. Dude, it's 10.02. We got to get out of here. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Asa King of Judah. You can read the rest of that story, Rare, in verse 16. A foreign Israel's army came and made it so it was impossible to get down to Jerusalem. So he's fortified around it. Asa freaks out. And so he hires another army to deal with it. And in that one moment, God sends another seer, a prophet, to tell Asa, Asa, you did what God told you not to do. You trusted in men, not the Lord. And so Asa then struggles for the rest of his years with wars, no peace, and just actually physical debilitating illness. In verse 12, in the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. And then you can read about his demise. This will continue. Good king, bad king, lots of bad kings. A couple good ones, but mostly bad. Why? Because they they forget the covenant they made to only love and worship and serve God. They forgot that they live before God who sees. They forgot that God has spoken and that they should honor the word of the Lord. They forgot all this stuff. And so I, I think this is how I would end. And I would love if we had more. I could just do this for another hour. Two hours, seven hours. Just kidding. I'll get you to Bob Evans real quick. I don't wanna be a people that forget. I don't wanna be a people that when we gather, we gather as if God is dead, does not see, does not speak. In other words, we treat God like he's just one of those other idols. There are no other gods. Every other God is an idol who can't see, who can't speak, but our God is the living God who can see, who does speak, who knows his people, who knows your name, who knows you where you are anxious, who knows what you need before you ask, who knows you entirely because he spoke you into being, who holds you together by the word of his mouth. So are you walking in a way that is good and right in the eyes of the Lord? Are you living your everyday normal life? Brother Lawrence, he wrote a book called Practicing the Presence which is a great book, and he said, while I'm washing dishes, I wanna be aware of the presence of God. Can we be those people this week? Instead of the ones that go from Sunday to Sunday, barely eking it by, treating God as if he's not alive and very removed as a father that's like displeased or like Santa Claus? And so what I would like to do, I would like to make it a bigger deal, I just wanna pray, and I'm gonna covenant with God. I'm gonna to say to God, God, you have my yes that I want to eagerly seek you when I come in here. And if you want to give yours in this prayer, great. And when I say amen, you are free to go or you are free to come up and get prayer. We'll have a prayer counselor here and here. And I know it's COVID days, so they'll have masks on. And if you don't want them to lay hands on you, just be like, no, that's okay. But God, we covenant with you. This is your word. And I don't need more time. I just need your spirit, Lord, to come and quicken us For you to sow, sow this word, your words into our hearts and our lives. When we get together, God, we want to eagerly seek you with all our hearts, minds, soul. We want to find you. And so, God, I give you my yes. That when I come in this room, when I gather with my brothers and sisters in this room, I will seek you with all my heart and soul. You have my yes, Lord. We are here for you. Father, I ask because you're a good father, would you show every person in here that you see them? Would you come close to them right now? Because your spirit is inside of us, would you speak to us? As they step out the doors, Lord, would you just just overwhelm them with your love? Would you show them at their home later today that you're not, absent, you're not more here and less there? Would you pursue them? Would you show them that you are the living God, there's no one like you? And I thank you for this moment to share life with them, to love you together. Lord, help us, convict us by your word and by your spirit to live lives that are good and right in your eyes. Convict us right now, Holy Spirit, of any place we're not doing what is good or right in your eyes. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for joining us today. If you would like any information regarding events or our two-year reading plan, you can find that at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a wonderful week. God bless.